I'm going to quote a verse three times. I want you to listen very carefully. Then I want you to say it with me. I want to say a verse three times, and you can concentrate on what I'm saying. I want you to say it with me. So it's First Thessalonians 1.10. So let me say it three times. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. One more time, then you say it with me. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. Now let's say it. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. I hope that verse will mean more to you than it's ever meant when I get through today. I got kind of a strange sermon that I want to preach. Well, it's not strange, it's biblical. But I've been wanting to preach this for over a month, and I'll tell you the occasion why. I want to preach on the fierce wrath of God. The fierce wrath of God. You know, God is love. We know that. And that's all some people think God is. And even they have a misunderstanding of what love is all about. A lot of people think God just like an old granddaddy who is pretty indulgent, and he just kind of sweeps in on the rug. And a God has preached today in a lot of places that he's not respected very much. In fact, we have an entire world in our nation and other places that just flaunts uh, in, things in God's face. All kinds of things that God hates, they just mock and stuff like that. So, but that's, that's, not, that's not really true love. But God is not only a God of love, he's a God of wrath. And I remember a man one time making this statement about how we ought to have a balanced view of God. He said, you know, let's just imagine there's a beautiful woman, just a beautiful face, and you're looking at her just all by her beauty, but her nose keeps growing, like Pinocchio. Well, in about two or three minutes, she's not going to be pretty anymore. So the point he made was, while God is love, that's not all God is. It said in Hebrews 12, 29, also, our God is a consuming fire. And what I'm going to preach today is real. I hope you'll pray for me. I've been wanting to preach a long time, so I finally yesterday... Had a real, one of the best days of study I've ever had. I worked hard. In fact, I worked real hard. When Roy came over to clean the church up, I usually like to have people. But I said, Roy, I'm going home. I'm just exhausted. But I'm glad I was exhausted. I didn't even eat lunch. I didn't want to eat lunch yesterday. I labored to the point of exhaustion. And that's what your preachers ought to do. Don't feel sorry for your preachers. The word copio in the Bible is talking about the labor of minister. It means he labors to the point of exhaustion. There are times we need to do that in the Word of God. So I don't know how to go today. I've written an article on this, and I just hope I don't stumble all over myself trying to get too much material out. So you pray for me about that. And if you want the article, you let me know. I'll let you have it. I'm, I'm fixing to polish it up. But I want to talk about on the love of God. I mean, the, 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 profound, the fierce wrath of God. Now, here's what this ought to do for us. It ought to give us profound gratitude for our salvation. And the, the, I wrote this down. You just got to singing this in uh, that last song. And save me with his precious blood. From endless misery. And save me with his precious blood from endless misery. My friend, the Bible is real. A lot of people don't think the Bible is real, but it's real. And what I'm going to teach you to preach to you today is very, very real. Uh, another thing I'll do, it ought to make us, even though we don't fear God like a reprobate, we still need to respect God very much, don't we? We need to ask God to help us to fear him. Now, fear is not a slavish fear. It's a filial fear, but yet we need to respect God. And sometimes even Christians... I don't respect God like they should, including myself. We need, to have a, we need to ask God, Lord, unite my heart to fear thy name. That's what David prayed in Psalm 811. I want you to pray that. I'd like to, I'd be talking about this month of uh, 
June, we all have some special things to do about humility. And one thing we need to cultivate, and you can cultivate it, the fear of God. We need that because we live in a world that does not fear God. We need to fear God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So we need to fear God. I hope today, I hope God will put the Holy Ghost in us and make us tremble. I tremble sometimes. I want to tremble even more. In fact, one time God even talked about people in Isaiah 66. He mentioned God's children who tremble at my word. Isn't that good? We, don't, we need to tremble at his word sometimes. He's a, he's, a, he's a holy God. He hates sin. Uh, they're a real place called hell. It's a terrible place. There are a lot of people who go in there. It's unbelievable how great. The people are flowing. The, the day is going to come, friends, and God's going to be vindicated. God's going to be, you know that? God's going to be vindicated. He's cursed today. He's mocked. Our God is going to be vindicated. We need to pray the Lord for that. And we're going to be excited when that happens. Over there in Revelation 19, uh, the, the whole book is talking about the struggle between good and evil, between God and the devil. And so in Revelation 19, the old devil is being judged and the enemy is being put down. And the saints of God are rejoicing like we will be someday. And they're saying this wonderful thing, hallelujah, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He's reigning. Someday his reign will be totally manifest. We need to fear God and his fear of wrath. Now here's what got me on this. I'll mention this a little bit to you. I'm, this is a profound experience I had. When I went to Nicaragua, we had a real good time. So I, I think sometime Tim, I mean that uh, Brother Timothy and Brother Louis Cronk will come here. We'll tell you about it a little bit. One of the glorious things was seeing that young Luis baptized out in the Pacific Ocean, that 14-year-old boy. We had a glorious time. But one thing that awed me was we went to the Masaya Volcano. And it had a profound experience on my life. Uh, I'm kind of scared, so even though it had a big old wall, I could just kind of look, get back and just barely look down into it. You can't believe what a gigantic crater it was. The Messiah's an active volcano. It had not erupted in a couple of hundred years, but it's still called an active volcano. I was stunned. Billows of smoke, sulfur smoke coming up constantly, constantly. Sulfur smoke. And they had a lava lake. The lava lake comes and goes. It had a lava lake that had molten rock at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't hear very well, but Timothy and I could hear that lake bubbling. At nighttime, you can see the fire. Yeah, I was awed by that, absolutely awed. And uh, when the conquistadors were over in the 1500s and discovered that, they said, it's the gate of hell. I can just imagine angels catching damned souls down to hell. I can just see that. And I just got on my heart about God's wrath. My friend, the Bible is filled with God's love. It's also filled with God's wrath. We need to think about that. So pray for me today. I don't want to run all myself and mess up and try to give you too much material. I'm not even going to read the Bible to you. I'm not even going to read scriptures. God's wrath is incomprehensible. His love is incomprehensible. His wrath is also incomprehensible. We need to realize the fact our God is glorified in the salvation of his people. We're going to be, we sang some song of praise today. We'll be amazingly praising. We're going to be in compete with each other. Who can praise the God the best in heaven probably. <laughs> Don't you think we will? I want to be louder than you are. I want to be louder than you are. I want to be more thankful than you are. I think we're going to have a ball blessing God forever. God is glorified in the salvation of his saints. My friends, he's also glorified in the damnation of the wicked. That's what it said in Romans 9. God is glorified by the vessels of mercy. He glorified by the vessels of wrath. God poured his holy wrath. He glorified in his holy wrath. And it's the holy wrath. Now, what I want to do first before I go to the scriptures, and I'm only going to go to the scriptures, but I want to give you a couple of Greek words. These amaze me. I studied this out years ago, and I restudied it yesterday. 
the two main Greek words that are translated wrath and anger. So let, let me read this the definition to you. Take a little, and, and I, then I'm going to put a word picture on God's wrath. All right, the one of them is thumos. Thumos. I'm just going to read these definitions. I went to several sources. The turbulent commotion, the boiling agitation of the feelings. It is passion, angry heat, anger forthwith boiling up, and soon subsiding again. It's more of the turbulent commotion, the boiling agitation of the feelings. Thumas indicates a more agitated condition of the feelings and an outburst of wrath from inward indignation. That's amazing. I'm going to give you a word picture of that. That's Thumas. It's, it's agitation. God, my friend, God is agitated about the wicked. The Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. God hates sin every day. He's letting it go on for a reason, but God hates sin. He's agitated against sin, our God is. That's what the Bible says. The other word is orge. This is a more of an abiding and settled habit of mind with the purpose of revenge. Vine writes that orge suggests a more settled or abiding condition of inward uh, of mind frequently with a view to taking revenge. Now, I put all that together in my meditation and thinking, did this years ago, refresh it again yesterday. Let me tell you the picture I've got of God's anger and wrath. And that's exactly, my friend, which would be vented out on us if it had not been the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Let me say this while I'm at it. While you're thinking about God's wrath, what's the greatest display of God's wrath there's ever been? It's Calvary. That's the greatest display of wrath there's ever been. God poured his wrath out on the Son of God that we deserve to have poured out on us. And the outward uh, things that Christ went through were horrible. We think about the crucifixion. We've talked about that a lot. The torture of the Son of God, when he got through with him, he didn't look like a man. His visage was so more, more more than any man, his four more than the sons of men. But that's not the worst. Not at all the worst. Other human beings have suffered outward torture. But our brothers and sisters, the most important thing about God, the Lord, he poured his wrath on his son. We can't imagine that. And he cried out with that anguish on the cross. Anguish. I don't know what that voice sounded like. It was anguish. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He did that because his wrath was being poured out on his son. It said in Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. That, he, he did that to him for our sake. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has led on him the iniquity of us, of us all. We know that's true, but my friend, may it be this month and every day of our lives on the war of a front burner of our mind, and let it be the very theme of our life to glorify that one who saved me from the wrath to come. I'll quote the verse again. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. There are wrath coming. Wrath coming. John the Baptist warned those Pharisees who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come. My friend, wrath is coming. The, the day when Jesus comes again will be the most glorious day we can imagine for God's children. Those horrible days, those who are not covered by the blood of the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. They may be laughing now, but they won't be laughing. I, I'm, I don't know where this is in Revelation. I, I, I didn't put this in my notes, but I won't admit it to you right now. I'm going to quote a few scriptures to talk about God's wrath. It's a fearful thing. But one of them is over Revelation, and it's talking about the individual when the Christ comes again. They want to get into the caves of the earth 
and then with the rocks that fall on them to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. I thought Jesus Christ was filled with love. My friend, our Savior was also filled with holy wrath. It says in Mark 3.15, I mean 3.5, the Pharisees, now let's think about this. Here's these old Pharisees. Here's Jesus Christ. They're despising him. Everybody despised him when he's here except his children. Isn't that amazing? Even his own children didn't regard him like they should have. So here's Jesus Christ. He goes to the synagogue. He does this wonderful thing. He heals a man. He, we ought to be excited, right? The Pharisees weren't excited. They were finding fault because of their ungodly legalism, didn't understand what was going on. With the very incarnate God standing before them, they began to gripe and complain. Said, you should not have healed this man on the Sabbath day. You look at Mark 3, 5. If they know what they were doing, they'd have been shaking in their sandals. I used to say boots, but they had sandals on, didn't they? <laughs> that incarnate God looking right on them of wrath. The Bible says that grieve with the hardness of heart. Those individuals who insulted Christ and slapped him around and cursed him and said he is a friend of public and the sinners. He's doing his miracle by Beelzebub. He's a wine beaver and a gluttonous man. They were talking about the incarnate God. God his, his glory was veiled. Isn't that amazing? We need to be careful, my friend. Walk softly before our precious Lord. All right, here's my word picture now. I got this. I, I composed this. It's an accurate picture. I composed this in my mind from these definitions of thumos and orge. Thumos is like a giant cauldron filled with wrath. The hot liquid of wrath is boiling up in the cauldron. It is leaping up and straining to be poured forth on the objects of God's wrath. That's an accurate description. My friend, that's where God is right now. He's waiting. The time had not come yet. The fullness of the, of the, of the, the, the wickedness had not come. The cup hadn't been filled yet. But the day's coming when my friend it will be filled. And this wrath is straining will be poured out on the wicked. Now, Orge may be pictured as a gigantic bird of prey. The bird had its eyes fixed on the object of its anger and never averts those eyes. It never blinks, but constantly glares as object. It's patient and may wait a very long time, but it will eventually inflict terrible and eternal vengeance on the objects of his wrath. So get those two word pictures. There's this cauldron, my friend, leaping up, and then this fixed object. God's got his eyes on the wicked. And he'll have his eyes on us if it weren't for the blood. And the day's coming, my friend, and vengeance is coming. The day of the vengeance of our Lord. I thank God for that, and you ought to, too. My friend, we have righteous indignation. You, don't you hate sin? You need to hate it even more. It's said about our precious Savior in Hebrews 1, when God the Father, he's talking about his blessed Son. He says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And you and I learned how, we all learn how to hate iniquity. I don't hate it enough, do you? I roll it around my tongue like a morsel sometimes, my fleshy nature. I need to learn how to hate sin and hate those things that, that separate me from fellowship with God. All right, now. Y'all keep praying now. I'm going to read you some scriptures mainly. And uh, just that, that I'll make the comments as I go along. That's mainly what I'm going to let the Bible talk to itself. And this is, I'm just hitting the highlights even then. Here's how we, now here's what we ought to do. This is Hebrews 12, 28. This is the fact that all have on us. And I believe that I'm not thinking of you today. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. And hope the Holy Spirit will make it real to us. I haven't died yet. But I see other people die. I'm going to die too. Let's get it coming again. 
where the people go who die, where their souls go. Some people say annihilation. That's what they want to believe, but it's not true. My friend, the real life, the life that lasts forever is after we die. That's the real life. The one that never comes to an end. That's a reality. You know that if you're born again, you know in your heart that's right. Even some people not born again know that really the way. Even my pagans have some idea of the wrath of uh, some kind of being. It's built in our nature because we're made God's image. Here's how me, what we need to do. Hebrews 12, 28. Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore we receive, re, re, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Oh, my Father, may I serve God with reverence and godly fear. I'll tell you what I hope is on my grave, if it's true. If it's all, I want people to put stuff on their grave. Here's what I want on my grave. If it's true, and I hope to God it's true. Here lies the body of a God-fearing man. That's what I want to be. I want to be a God-fearing man. I want you to be God-fearing men and women. I want you to be God-fearing teenagers. I want you to be God-fearing kids. I want to be God-fearing. I want Grace Chapel to be a God-fearing church. I wish we had a God-fearing nation. We don't. I wish we had a God-fearing nation, don't you? Now, I'm just going to do some scriptures. These are amazing scriptures. Now, I don't know how long I'll be. I won't be probably as long as you think I'll be. I just want to get the message across. I want the Bible to put this in our hearts. The Holy Ghost will put it in our hearts. The fierce wrath of God. Fierce wrath of God. All right. First Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. And the con- here's, the, here's, here's the context. It's a context of God's poor saints have been suffering. And my friend, God's poor saints have suffered many times, have they not, in the history of this world? Have there not been many, many martyrs during the Roman Empire, many martyrs? Not, not only then, during the Spanish Inquisition, the French Inquisition, many, many martyrs. They're martyrs today. The people who study this claim, there have been more martyrs, I think, the year maybe 2020 in the history of the whole world. My friend, the world filled with these Islamic people, martyr people, as the Chinese communists mar- martyr Christians. All over the world, we haven't escaped that so far. But my friend, there have been many times God people have been martyred. If you want to get sick in your stomach sometime, you ought to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. I read some other martyologists. Some of them, you got pictures in them that make you sick about the things they did to God's children. Put them on a rack and stretch them on that rack till their bones, and tighten that thing up till their bones break. And those old priests, they're just laughing at them. They're payday someday, folks. Dr. Lee was right about payday someday, wasn't he? Old R.G. Lee used to preach that all the time. Patrick Bellevue Badgers, he had the sermon he preached lots of times. Payday someday. He's right about that. Payday someday. Payday someday. That is good. I don't want to be vindictive, but I do thank God he's going to put evil down. And I, my friend, I'll tell you how I feel about this. It's like I did what said. And you ought to feel this way. You ought to appreciate sovereign grace. If my soul were sent to hell, the righteous law proves it well. But I hope my soul won't be sent to hell. I don't think it will be. I hope yours won't either. If you love Lord Jesus Christ, you're a born again child of God. But you need to love him more. If you can monkey around with sin and not bother you, you better watch it. You better examine yourself. I'm going to read you some scriptures in a minute. We need to be serious about sin. Even the day we're living in, we have so-called Christians who are really messing up. You realize the entire denominations who've gone down the drain? 
I'm going to make some cultural names. Don't mind it a bit. The United Methodist has just gone down the drain. I thank God for Christ United Methodist Church here in Memphis, Tennessee. Not called Christ United Methodist Church anymore. They get so sick of the ungodliness of their denomination. They pulled out of it. I talked to Tommy Bennett who digs graves around Ripley. He said, brothers, they're all over this county. Methodist churches are getting out of the Methodist Conference. It's cost them a lot of money, too, because the Methodist Conference owns the churches. They're willing to pay the price because they've ordained this homosexual priest and all kind of ungodly stuff going on. We have many of the churches caving in. The Episcopal churches just cave plumbing in. The African people who, who have that Episcopal tradition don't even recognize the uh, Archbishop anymore uh, of Canterbury because he's so sorry. Whole denominations are going down the drain. They're caving in to ungodliness. My friend, we need to have a reverence and godly fear. We're going to be called on to stand increasingly in the day we live in. We must love our great God and not be ashamed of him. Nor be ashamed of the truth. There's some things that are wrong and some things that are right. Go ahead and have an on that. Pretty good. Pretty not loud enough. There's some things that's wrong. It's wrong to be immoral. It's wrong to have a same-sex marriage, so-called. It's wrong to be a transgender. That's the, that's the grossest stuff. Other things are wrong, too. It's wrong to be covetous. It's wrong to be lukewarm. We need to tighten up and serve God better. I need to. Zach Guest needs to tighten up and serve God better. I'm not afraid he's going to send me to hell, but I respect God. But I'll tell you one thing. If I can live in sin and not bother me, I'll really be, my soul's in danger. I'll tell you that right now. I'll read you the scriptures in a minute about it. Look at, okay, here's the context now. These poor saints have suffered and suffered and suffered. Maybe to, to the point of madness. Don't you drive you mad, wouldn't it? See your children maybe kill right before you. Your wife defile right before you. And then people laughing about that. That would send you to madness. But look what, the, what God told them over in Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6 through 9. See, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. The Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven. You ready for this? With his mighty angels. That's going to be someday, isn't it? Those angels are pretty tough, aren't they? One of them killed $185,000 one day. One night with one wing tied behind his back. $185,000. And God got a bunch of them too. He's coming again. What a day that's going to be. Yes, he's coming with his mighty angels. Listen to this. You believe the Bible? I believe the Bible. You believe it? The Bible's not a fairy story book. It's not Mother Goose. It's the truth. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. For the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. If that's the only scripture I had, that'd be enough to get my point. God's fierce anger, my friends. I'm going to read it to you again. You need to chew on that sometimes. Don't you know those precious saints? They're suffering. Feel good about that. Thank God. We're being, dis- we're being abused now. We stood up for God now. But the day is coming when we, we will be revenged. We want to be revenged. It says, oh, you, listen, this is in Revelation. Do you know there's some martyrs right now in Revelation? Their, uh, their souls are under the throne of God saying, Lord, how long, oh Lord, how long shall I avenge our blood? It's in the Bible. I didn't put it right down right now. You know it's in the Bible. We, want, we cry out for true vengeance. It said over in uh, Luke 18, And shall not God avenge his elect who cried day and night unto him? He's going to avenge his elect. But you don't avenge yourself, by the way, while I'm at it. Let me say that. Let's go over to Romans 12. My friend, he's a gift place of wrath. So I want to encourage you. Now, this is pretty important because I need this myself. 
I'm a little bit hot-headed. I know I'm hot-headed. I don't brag about that. I'm more than because of it. I'm trying to work on it. But I tell you, I hate injustice. I'm probably a hypocrite. I probably pray for some injustice myself, but I hate it. I hate it. And so sometimes, my friend, I've often said, this is a terrible thing to say. If I had not been a child of God, I'd like to be an avenging angel. <laughs> That's not really a good spirit. Don't you have any? Some of you guys got that, but you get out of there. It's not right. This is what he said in Romans 12. Give place to wrath. Give place to wrath. Avenge not yourselves. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. I'm going to tell you, give to you again. Give place to wrath. Avenge not yourselves. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And he knows how to do it. If I take vengeance, I make mistakes. But my friend, he doesn't make mistakes. He knows exactly who to go for and how to go for them, how to go to them. All right? A few more scriptures. A few more scriptures. 1 Peter 2 9. 2 Peter, I'm sorry. 2 Peter 2 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver godly, the godly out of temptations, to reserve the unjust, the day of judgment, to be punished. He's reserving them the day of judgment. There's going to be a day of judgment. There's going to be a day of judgment. People wiggle out of court down on things. We got people we know. I'm not going to call names, get political. It wouldn't be right to do this morning. We know a lot of people in our country who ought to be in jail. Don't tell, call names down. Don't start calling names down. We know a whole bunch of people who, some even former presidents and stuff, and presidents' wives, as far as I'm going, ought to be in jail. But they're as slick as they can be, as slick as an owl, Greece. You can't, you can't touch them. They're Teflon. But my friend, they know Teflon with God. I've known people who said, well, let's just move on and forget about it. And the electorate forgets about it. Ted Kennedy is one of them. He drowned that girl in that Chappaquiddick incident. And he also, but he remained a senator. I bet you after a long time when he didn't get the jail sentence because they wiggled out of it, I bet he thought, I'm over this. He wasn't over that. That bird been watching him. Orgay never took his eye off of him and threw him off the border to get him. Those people who said, let's just move on. You ain't going to, ain't no sense to move it on. God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. All right, now, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. What this is talking about is the last days. This, the, read, Second Peter's great. Y'all read that third chapter today. Get, get some good out of it. Talk about the, the last day, the destruction of this earth. So there's scoffers in the last days. Scoffer. Do you think, he, what's a scoffer? You know any scoffers? I know a bunch of them. We got a world full of scoffers. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. You Bible-thumping Christians. You deplorables. You rednecks. You illiterates, who Bible thumpers. I love to thump my Bible. Well, anyway, Peter says, you know what's going to happen? The day of the Lord is going to come at a thief in the night with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat, 2,000 degrees, lava. When that thing went off back in the 1700s, friends, I saw some of the rock. Well, that was in the 1700s, it erupted for eight days, and a lava poured out of there with five miles. The Gizzi Lord said, This is the gate of hell. They were wrong about that, but that, I don't I, I, I can understand them saying that. My friend, someday this universe, listen, oh, I've got the Rock of Gibraltar insurance company. The rock is going to burn one day. This entire earth is going to burn up. The elements melt with fervent heat. It's going to come to the thief of the night. It's going to be a loud noise. I'm not worried about destroying this world with nuclear weapons. We're not going to do that. Those nuclear weapons are pinprick compared to God's wrath. 
what happened over in Hiroshima and Nagasaki at a pinprick compared to God's wrath. We're not going to destroy this world. My friend, God is going to destroy this entire universe someday. Now, I've got, don't, don't get too bad off now. I'm going to close off on a, on a, a positive note, biblically. But this world's going to burn up. You, you trust on that money in the bank. You trust those stocks and bonds. You trust Wall Street, my friend. You trust the movers and the shakers. You trust the billionaires. It's going to all burn up. It's going to all burn up. My friend, that's not where our treasure ought to be. Don't let yourselves treasure upon earth. Let yourselves treasure in heaven where the moth and rust don't corrupt and things don't break through and steal. All right, but Peter said this in 2 Peter 3, 7. He said, you know what? What these guys don't realize is one time God did destroy this world by water. Now that was awesome, wasn't it? That's it. I can't imagine that. Can you? Certainly we cannot. You know what, my friend, it seems like the world was filled with people. Maybe maybe we have now. The reason I say that is, the Bible says the earth was filled with violence. Well, people had, they're talking about people. Filled with violence. And it said in Genesis 6, and the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It sounds like the present day almost, doesn't it? And God got, his, God got all he's going to take. His patience came to the end. He brought the flood on the world, the ungodly. Every human being perished except the eight on the ark. That's a true story. God destroyed this world. Can you imagine how those people felt panicky? My friend, the water climbed up, they'd get higher and higher and higher. My friend, if they'd gone to Mount Everest, it's just too late. They didn't cover Mount Everest. God Almighty poured his wrath out upon this world. But here's what Peter says. These scoffers say he's not going to do that. Second Peter 3, 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now... By the same word are kept in store, reserved unto the uh, deserved uh, unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. I'm going to read that again to you. I wrote it too fast. Second Peter three seven. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved to fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, let me say this. Brother Zach, Jesus was so sweet. He was sweet. The sweetest thing we've ever seen. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds. But my friend, our Savior, talked about hell more than anybody else in the New Testament. I'm going to read you only one place. And he emphasized it. He emphasized it. I've talk, he said the same thing three times. Jesus Christ said that. He talked about the fires of hell. Then he said this in, over in uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 44. But he repeated the same thing in verse 46 and verse 48. Now, he talked about the fires of hell. He said, fire to hell. Then he said this. Where their worm doth not, and the fire is not quenched. That's what Christ said. That worm talking about life. Where the worm doth not, the fire is not quenched. He repeated the same thing two t- times. So he emphasized that our Savior did. Now let me give you another one. A couple more. I'll be through here in a minute. But I hope you're listening. I think you are. And I hope the Holy Ghost will make us real to us, to me too. I'm not trying to make, be dramatic. I don't believe in drama in the pulpit. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm not being dramatic. I'm not overtelling it. I'm not overtelling it. I'm not exaggerating it. It's not hyperbole. It's true. It's true. Okay, Romans 2.5. Here people are just living ungodly, and they don't realize what they're doing. They're just piling on more and more punishment. More and more punishment. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But after... Thy hardness, talking about people who never repent because they're not being given the grace of repentance. But after thy hardness and the impenitent heart, 
treasures up, instead of treasuring up into thyself, wrath, against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. They're treasuring that wrath up. Now, let me say this to you and me. I'm going to read over in Ephesians 5 a little bit. Because, my friend, we need, God wants us to be serious about sin. Now, I'm telling you that right now. God, I'm not believing to work salvation. I don't, you know I don't. It's salvation by grace. But I'll tell you one thing, being salvation by grace does not make you lazy concerning sin. I'll give you one verse before I read this one. Over in 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The world knoweth us not because it, knows that you, because it didn't know him not. Beloved, when we sh- he shall appear, we shall be like him as he is. Now, that, I've got most of that quote here, But here's what verse 3 says. Do you, believe, do, you, do you believe that? I know right now we bear his image, but my friend, we don't understand how it will be when you're glorified. But he said in verse 3, and every man that hath this hope in him, do you have the hope in you? Every man hath this hope in him, purified himself, even his head pure. If I really got that hope, I want to live a pure life for my God's sake. I want to watch my words. I want to be like in Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I won't be looking at pornography. I won't be messing around with thinking iPhone too much. I won't be playing too many games. I won't be doing anything. I will try to avoid the appearance of evil. I'll try to have a pure mind as much as I possibly can. And when I do have an evil thought, I'll beg God to help me get it out of my mind and repent of it as fast as I can. All right, I'm going to read you Ephesians 5. Now, let's, let's, let's go over it just a minute. Just a minute. I'm going to start in verse 3. Now, listen to this very carefully. I'll start in verse 1. Why not? It's a great chapter, folks. This is Ephesians chapter 5. Be ye, therefore, followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, has given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for sweet-smelling sour. But get this. But fornication, now my friends, that's a broad word. Pornea in the Greek, we get pornography from it. Anything that's talking about sexual immorality, including thought life, is included in this thought. We live in a society, when we're living, we're, we live in a uh, immoral society, you know, it's saturated with it. You got, and you, you, I know you've been influenced by it, but you've got to work against that. You gotta recognize, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let not be once named among you. We don't uh, become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. This ye know that no whoremonger, whoremonger, nor unclean person, that's a filthy-minded person, have these little sitcoms on TV. I don't even have a TV. I'm glad I don't. But I thought these, little, these nasty people go around in these nighttime programs, make these nasty jokes. My friend, they'll pay someday for that. Nor unclean person, nor covetous men, nor idolater had any inheritance in the kingdom of God. I know these things may bother God's children to the extent you can't live in them like, an unre- like a reprobate can. You can't do it. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God on the children of disobedience. We need to be careful. But now I want to close on a positive note. I read over there in 
Peter, about this world will be destroyed someday, my friend. But let's look at the good news. Then I've got an exhortation. Then I'll be through. Here's the good news. This, this world's going to perish. It's going to perish. God knows when it's going to perish. It's going to be an amazing thing. But hallelujah, look here. This ought to cheer you up. I want you to stay sober, but I want to cheer you up. Look at 2 Peter 3.13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth where it dwells righteousness. How about that? You like that? You've got it made to shade with spiritual lemonade. <laughs> I'll tell you what, folks. Last night I heard a John Gill sermon. This guy, of course, he can go Gill gone to be a Lord, but somebody read it. And I think someday I'm going to just get somebody to read it in church. He talked about the, 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 the bliss of the saints. And you know, Gil, he had a mind. He, I just got so happy last night, I couldn't even hardly sleep. Talk about heaven, this, 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 good, this, good, this, good, this, all bad, all bad, all bad. He was the way he said it. Nevertheless, my friend, we, according to great promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein growth righteousness. It'll be there one of these days. We'll be walking in the spiritual glory. Leaping and walking in the spiritual glory. Glorified bodies in a glorified environment. Cannot imagine the glory of it. We wouldn't be there if it was the blood of Jesus Christ. We'd be in a terrible place. So, what is our exhortation? All right, here's our exhortation. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man.